Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Amen. Well, Jack, here we are. We're marching through the book of Mark. Mark. And uh, <laughs> we're on chapter 10. And I tell you what, um, we are either two fools or two really brave souls to be able to take on uh, this kind of chapter. And uh, I will take a vote. on No. no. Yeah. And I tell you, we approach it with uh, with humility because um, I don't even want to pretend to have the answers. But I know the one who does. And he's the one that we're trying to focus on. So first of all, it's a very controversial Issue, well, sure, right? and it's a it's a, a real and deep and sometimes absolutely uh, hurtful a of, issue. A lot of people. Yeah. So our intent with this is is of course not to hurt anybody, but to help soften our hearts uh, toward God, so that we can focus on Him instead of ourselves. Amen. All right. So here we are, Mark chapter ten, and verse one. Then Jesus left Capernaum and went down to the region of Judea and into the area east of the Jordan River. Once again, crowds gathered around him, and as usual, he was teaching them. Some Pharisees came. These guys are always following him around. I know it. I know it. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question, Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? And Jesus answered them with a question, What did Moses say in the law about divorce? And they replied, Well, he permitted it. He said a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. Uh, now, actually, some translations say he commanded it. Yeah. Yeah, they'll actually say he commanded it. But Jesus responded, he wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and has joined his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. All right. Well, I think basically what the Pharisees are trying to do uh, are they're coming into this situation where Jesus is teaching and he's trying to, they're trying to get him to alienate somebody, you know, trying to get him to uh, say something negative that would cause people to be alienated from his teaching and from really his spirit, who he was. And uh, so they chose um, this issue of marriage because it was a controversial issue even back then. Mm-hmm. Because I think what had happened was um, uh, they took that uh, Old Testament law thing that Moses permitted divorce because of hardness of heart and uh, tried to say that uh, uh, now we can just write a certificate. We can just get sick and tired of our wife and get rid of her and tell her, I divorce you, I divorce thee, and give them the certificate and let them leave. And what Jesus does instead of falling into that trap is I think he elevates marriage to the place that God wants it to be because there's a very high standard on marriage, but he also gives room for grace. And he gives room for Mm -hmm. forgiveness because I would say at the very beginning here, uh, marriage is not the unforgivable sin, but marriage is not the unforgivable sin. Maybe marriage is (laughs) divorce is not the unforgivable sin. That's my first mistake in like three or four episodes. Oh, at least. Yes, of course. Uh, (laughs) Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. Right. Right. So, right. Right. But divorce will 
is the same as uh, a spouse dying when you think about it. Mm. Because if your spouse dies, then they're gone from you. You don't see them anymore. They're out of your life. Same thing. When you get divorced, they're gone from you. They're out of your life. And so it's kind of a similar thing, a loss. And uh, the, the ideal of marriage, and I think the mind of God was, and he says it here, that uh, the reason he created them male and female was so that they could procreate, they could replenish the earth, mm-hmm. they could have this wonderful companionship, and they would be complete. Because one male united with one female, bringing God into the picture, and now you've got unity, and you've got union, and you've got oneness. Right. And uh, that's, what, that's what marriage, I think, was intended to be, and so they're hitting this sacred issue and coming in, I think, trying to make him alienate people and, and get in trouble himself. So maybe they can trump some charges up on him and get rid of him. Yeah, I think they were using it to divide. To, to divide. And, uh, and they also were using it to rationalize their own behavior mm-hmm. because this was a time period when, um, you know, you could be a religious leader, uh, but not be looked down on for disposing of your wife, basically, because Moses commanded divorce. You know, I can divorce her because Moses said to divorce her. Uh, to give that context, um, it, it's like Moses commanded the men to do the divorce, but he was doing it to permit the women to get out of the relationship, in a sense, because the, what was happening in the in the context when all this business started is that these men were just abandoning their wives. And in, in that time period, um, that meant poverty for the woman. Oh, absolutely. Um, or prostitution um, or, you know, running off to uh, another country or you just, it was, Trying to it, survive. Was, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a terrible thing. And so that's what Jesus said when Moses commanded it because of the hardness of your hearts, because if they gave her a divorce that freed her from that marriage and she could marry somebody else. Well, when, when, when Jesus said uh, a man and woman shall get married and the two will become one flesh, and what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. What that did, John, was that elevated the woman to a place of equality mm-hmm. with the man. Because now if you are now one flesh, if you're one, then now the man is supposed to treat her as an equal. Yeah. He's supposed to love her. And it's a beautiful thing when children come along, because when you become one with your wife, now you're equal as one. Children are a part of the two of you. And so now you've got this beautiful setup of a family, a Christian family. And so God has a concession that he has to make. He has to condone divorce because of the hardness of people's hearts. Right. And eventually I'm sure forgive them. But I will tell you from firsthand experience with my own family, they would all tell you and all of my probably very, very close friends who are Christians that have been divorced, that divorce has been painful. Divorce hurts. Divorce, you know, does tear apart and it does leave scars. So it's not the best thing. And just because 
let's say a, a Christian man has an affair doesn't necessarily mean that the woman has to divorce him. I think the ideal would be let's look at forgiveness and working through it first before we go right straight to the divorce issue. If you really think about it, I mean, in divorce, it, it's not like a thing by itself. Mm. You know, um, it's, it's like a disease that um, started out with, you know, some little thing like a cancer starts as, mm. you know, an abnormal cell. That abnormal cell starts to multiply and then you've got a little dysplastic growth and then you get uh, a little small tumor and then that tumor grows and then it starts to give you symptoms. Well, that's what happens with divorce. Divorce doesn't start out as divorce. Divorce starts out as ingratitude, um, unfaithfulness, and I don't mean necessarily an infidelity of going right, chasing right. after sure. somebody else, but uh, your thoughts starting to follow those kind of directions. Um, it, it starts with uh, ne just neglecting um, your, your spouse, those kind of things, but it grows, it festers, and it becomes huge. And, and I like to look at this passage from a little bit of a different standpoint because we so often... Um, and this is a real problem in the church uh, that's in the church that I grew up in and, in and in the church today, I think. And that is, it's too easy to focus on problems from the standpoint of, of rules, mm -hmm. okay? And I don't really think that that's what God means or intends here mm -hmm. because you can take your worst sin, uh, your worst failing, and you clearly fall short of the glory of God. But I'm telling you what, you can take your absolute best offering, your best sacrifice, your best whatever it is before God, and guess what? It still falls short of the glory of God. Um, we need Jesus, every single one of us, and what he's trying to paint in this picture of of life here is that the ideal for marriage, which none of us ever achieve, none of us ever achieve that ideal. But the ideal for marriage is to be a representation of what our relationship is like with God. Right. I mean, if you think about the Ten Commandments, um, you know, you can read those as harsh rules, but I'll tell you what, take a step back from those and read those like they're marriage vows. Okay, you've got a couple that are getting together to get married. They want to form a life together. They want to start a family. They want to live and grow old together and go to heaven together. I mean, that's kind of what I like to think of with the Ten Commandments because, you know, it's sort of like the husband and wife saying, um, you'll have no other spouse before me. You right. know, you know, you have no other gods before me. Um, you know, don't take the name of your husband in vain. Okay, that doesn't mean you don't go around saying the name, you know, oh my God. I'm, I, you know, that is not what it's talking about. He's talking to the children of Israel like they're his bride. And he is saying, don't take my name in vain. In other words, I'm sharing my life with you. We're married. We're a family. Don't go out and whore with other gods. Well, and even that's, in the New Testament, there's some teaching there. And sometimes uh, people don't like the teachings of the Bible. 
some people will say they're antiquated or, you know, they don't fit in today's society or whatever. But I still think, I still think, and I still believe that if you'll do it God's way, I believe that's always the best way sure. for all of us. And uh, it, the, the New Testament teaching for the wife is for her to be submissive to her husband, willingly submissive to her husband, uh, which means that, that there just can't be two heads running around doing what they want to do. It, it becomes divisive instead of unity. And, but the husband is to love his wife. And love her in a way. I mean, he says you're to love her as Christ loved the church. So you love her sacrificially. Uh, you're to love her in a purifying way to where, you know, she uh, has no scar or blemish. But you love her in a purifying way and kind of in a fulfilling, satisfying way because uh, you're to love your wife and, and meet her needs. And if a husband loves his wife the way God commands him to love her, then it's easy for a wife to submit to that kind of man. The problem is when you get people that aren't surrendered to God and aren't surrendered to what his will is for their lives, who treat each other in a negative, even sinful way, then how can a woman submit to that kind of guy? I wouldn't even ask her to. Right. I wouldn't even expect her to. I think part of the reason why people think that uh, scriptures are antiquated um, or they just don't like what it has to say is because uh, we there's a tendency to use the scripture as a weapon, and well, it's and it, I mean it, the sword, the spirit isn't to cut other people down. I know a lot of men you know? that know one scripture. Yeah. You're to obey me, yeah. Lord, which in the Bible doesn't even say no. that. <laughs> but but, but we we abuse scripture. Abuse, yeah. um, you know the the apostle Paul, the same guy that said wives submit to your husbands, also said submit to one another in, in love. Ephesians five and, twenty one. And, and we abuse those verses uh, because the word submit doesn't mean. Well, people don't to be know subjected. what it means. They don't know what it means. Well, there's a difference between subjection and submission. Subjection is I'm an authority and I put a rule on you and I enforce the rule. That's, yeah, I would, that's I would subjection. say the word subservient. It's not like you become well, a servant. Yeah, submission is is when you make the choice. Yeah. Nobody's pushing yeah. it down your throat. It's yeah. your choosing. Okay. Well, the husband is called to be a servant leader. Right. Because and I and I think part of the thing is Paul he was speaking to our weaknesses yeah. because the, think about it. Okay, in most relationships <laughs> that, that I see, um, the man doesn't really struggle with submission so much because, well, well let me check with my wife. You know, I'll, I'll see what, you know, she has to say. Or, and, and I'm not criticizing that. But if you do that, like, all the time, I mean, the man really doesn't struggle with submitting I, I try to submit to my wife in in so many respects, but it's just easier. But but me to tell her something. Um, it, it, I think some women struggle with that. Whereas for the man, they will have contempt. You know, if if their wife is wanting to do something that they don't want to do, but they're going along it's easy for them to have contempt for that. And that's part of why I think Paul is saying husbands love your wives. Well, and I would kind of agree. I think that 
what what God commands the husband to love your wife is hard for him yeah. to do. And what God commands the wife to do for the husband is to respect him. And sometimes I think that's hard mm-hmm. for the wife to do. It, it is because, husband. you know, we're not always worthy of respect. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes I'm a little too passive. say... Oh, I know. But I think getting back to, you know, what I was hoping to do with this passage is not so much to focus on divorce, not so much to focus on the rules, but to focus on the ideal, the relationship that God wants us to have with him. And if we have a right relationship with God, it's so much easier to relate oh, to absolutely. other people. I can get out of the way more easily if I'm seeing the other person as a child of God, whether that's my wife, um, the guy at the grocery store, the guy in traffic. I mean, uh, it, it, I just need to be able to see people the way that Jesus sees people. And I want that ideal in my life um, that he has. And that being said... Um, God's grace covers all of our mistakes. Amen. You know, and that that certainly includes uh, divorce. Um, It also includes that person who's not true to their marriage because of love and faithfulness and grace, but they're true to it out of law, out of, uh, you know, just a a heightened elevation for respect for the rules. Because um, I've seen a lot of uh, marriages that were uh, just very mechanical and bizarre. Um, in fact, I've had couples in my office where I know flat out that the two absolutely hate each other. Um, and it's like, what what kind of marriage is it? It's, it's just a strange, bizarre thing. I had this one older man. I always felt bad for him. He's, I know she hates me. I, she hates my gut. She just can't stand me, you know. And uh, and if you know, and I met her, and I'm like, <laughs> you know. But um, but still, uh, his, his wife died, and the man was completely broken up about it. So uh, it, it, it's a strange thing, you know. Humans, we are strange. Well, I think sometimes a man, I don't know whether it's his ego or just not understanding or not being able to to work on relationships properly. I don't know what it is. But uh, we need to make sure that that our wife knows that we need them. Mm -hmm. And I would say also that you want them. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. people, and I do, and I'm sure you do as well, anyone out there listening, you want to be needed. You want to be wanted. Who wants to be in a relationship where you're hated? Well, right. You know, I mean, it's it, it's and sometimes I think we give our spouse the idea that that we don't need them. Um, we need to speak up, and we need to we need to let our spouse know how how important they are to us, how much we love them, how much we need them, and uh, try to strengthen and build her up as she strives to strengthen and build you up, and then together you can become one and this relationship becomes a joy and a blessing to God and others and not a mess. (laughs) A friend of mine years ago said that, you know, the root of sin basically is ingratitude. And, um, and if you think about it, it's so true. Um, when, when you start to drift from your, your spouse, um, well, if you're grateful for that spouse, 
if you're grateful for the things that they do, even the little things, um, are you going to be drifting? No, but if you are ungrateful, if you have ingratitude, then it becomes easier to drift away from, from that person. Um, and, and sometimes it's work to find those things. But the other thing is, and I, I'm guilty here. Uh, I apologize, you know, to my wife, you know, when I, when I'm like this, but, but I've had to take a look at myself and realize that, Hey, you know, if you want to be appreciated talking to myself, right. maybe you need to do something that's worth appreciating, <laughs> you know, um, when we were dating, I mean, you, you know, you don't have uh, a signed agreement. You don't have a marriage contract. You don't have the wedding band. You, you know, and it's like, so you're you're trying to do all these things to to win them and to be appreciated. And uh, I mean, I did all I mean, the great. You get the wedding band. You yeah, get married I mean, a couple of weeks later, you're a different I, person. I, well, I don't know. I don't want to say it was a big transformation <laughs> like that, but it's like. Um, but I need to go back to, uh, you know, that guy, that young guy yeah. that was chasing after her yeah. and just do some of the little stuff uh, that I used to do. I do think that that, that we're getting better at that. Um, my wife does a lot of stuff for me that I really appreciate. Um, as we're recording this, I'm getting ready to go to um, a, an author's conference and there's going to be a new component to this that, that they're calling Story Fest. And uh, it's a readers conference and they're inviting these readers in and they're basically bribing them with, you know, hey, you get all this free stuff and I'm sure they'll get a bunch of free books and and whatever. And, and each of the authors that's participating in that, we're supposed to take some little goodies and things that that might appeal to a reader, you know, mm-hmm. things that they, they would want. And so um, my wife has has taken my my logo um, and with my website and my little tagline, um, and uh, she has put that on totes, you know, bags that you you can put books in or whatever. And she's made these little uh, mug rugs, you know, it's sort of like a coaster for your coffee mug kind of thing. And uh, it's got a little stack of books on it, and it says, "Not today, I'm booked." Uh, and then on the other side, it's got my logo and tagline and website. Um, and it just, that, that really speaks to me how much she is invested in me and how much she loves me. Um, I was thinking what would speak to me would be like Snickers bars. Yeah, <laughs> Snickers bars. No, see, I, I'm, I'm over-vested on that oh, stuff. Okay. It's like I need to divest a little bit there. Uh, I would appreciate that, but at the same time, it's like, whoa. Anyway, <clears throat> well, let's finish the last little section of this. Uh, and it says, Later when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. He told them, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries someone else, she commits adultery. Um, That's some pretty rough stuff right there. I know there's in uh, other passages, I think, where the disciples uh, basically look at that and think, wow, um, 
why why should I want to get married? But I, I think sometimes, <laughs> and even Christians, we're looking at this from the once again the rules from the wrong side. Yeah. As I wrote, yeah. The question shouldn't be, is it permissible? <laughs> oh yeah. Because what you're asking there is, I'm wondering, hey, can I get out of this thing? Oh yeah. The question should be instead, is it God's intention? Right. What does God want? Right. And if you ask that question then you know that God's intention is that you love one another and you grow in that relationship and honor Him yeah. in it. But God does give room and to condone it for the love of His children right. so that His children can move right. on and still live their lives and still have blessing and joy in a marriage relationship. Right. So what divorce does is it allows you to remarry. So mm -hmm. that's grace. Yeah. Because if he didn't allow divorce, then you couldn't remarry right. in, in the, under the law. So I, I think that that's what I would do. I would look at this the way you kind of taught us in the very beginning. Let's look at this from God's perspective and not from our perspective. Too many people say, how far can I go? How mm -hmm. much sin can I do before I go over the line where I'm lost? Well, that's the wrong question. Right. The question should be, God, how can I please you the most? What can I do to bless you the most? We do ourselves and God and others um, a strong disservice when we differentiate our, our sins. And, um, and I've been guilty of this, you know, because I've known people that, that I've had tremendous respect for that um, I just felt like, did their spouse dirty, so to speak. Um, and, and it's hard on a personal level uh, to not feel something ill toward that person. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who got divorced after decades of marriage. Um, and I won't go into details because I don't want to reveal who the person is. But somebody I always really looked up to. Um, and I'll tell you... Um, I feel compassion and love toward them today, but after that divorce was initial, the adult children in that setting wouldn't speak to their dad for two years. Yeah, it does um, some it, division. It, it, it does some hurt. Yeah. yeah. Now, it didn't sever the relationship because they're together, you know, with him uh, at different times now, and you can see the, the, the genuine love that's returned, and you can even see forgiveness um, in the ex-wife and the things that she will, will say. Um, but it's, it's so hard, and, and uh, it, it just created such pain. And, um, you know, was, was there a way to resolve and reconcile that? I don't know, but the message is, it doesn't matter how hard the hurt is or how how deep we fall or how much we push God away. Um, he's always going to accept us back. You know, I think it's in James where it says, uh, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Mm -hmm. um, God is faithful and true. Uh, we are the bride of Christ. Um, and I'm telling you what, the thing that I look forward to more than anything else is the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is that is that 
when we, when all this temporary stuff is over and done and we rejoice with Jesus, we're in his presence and we're feasting with him um, as we become one with him and part of his family. Yeah, and I would say that I would hope that uh, a child of God, if they do get a divorce, um, do realize that God hates divorce, that is a sin, and that needs to be repented and not to be super critical or hurtful back at the spouse that you divorce, but certainly try to then be Christ-like to one another for the good of the children, for the good of just the fact that you are a Christian and people know, and that puts a good light on Christ mm-hmm. instead of... Well, thank God that God is bigger than our problems. Yeah, you know, Yeah, amen. Well, guys, um, we, we took on a hard subject, and uh, I, I think that we've proven that we don't have all the answers. <laughs> um, but again, <laughs> we firmly believe that we know the one who does. And he's the object of our deepest affection. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for letting us be here together with these folks. And to our listeners, uh, I pray that this works on your heart in the right way and that it draws you closer to Jesus. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.